On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we took umbrage with Baidu's new technology dubbed Ernie. We said goodbye to Google Ads message extensions. Shep finds out that she was swindled by big tax. I remind everyone that chicken isn't just a food. Crispy baby KFC chicken. And it turns out the CCPA was bankrolled by a real estate developer with the best name ever. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Christine Zernheld. A.K.A. Shep. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on January 3rd, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. And some quick housekeeping on this Happy New Year edition show. First off, thanks for everybody who shared our first annual Clockskers show. We barely made it through the show. <laughs> Jess immediately went to go be sick for days. Are you even healed yet? Jeez, I think I'm on the up and up. I'm not going to breathe on you guys just in case. Plus, we just kept having giggle fits and like couldn't get through it. That yes. <laughs> but we are actually making awards. We're sending them out. So if you want a clocksker, we have awards coming your way and a little gift pack as well. So thank you for everybody for not only being awesome in 2019 and winning a clocksker, <laughs> but for sharing the news as well. We also have had some issues from our video feed, and you can just go to YouTube and, and look for Marketing Clock and find us. But we have a new look, a new feel, a new table, super pro here in 2020. You can now see our audio engineer, Hope, here today, um, and all three of us right here. So follow along on YouTube. We'll actually do a behind the scenes on our Instagram. So if you go check out at Marketing Clock, you can see our setup, see our desk, and all of us, and what it looks like when we do this here. Lastly, here in the housekeeping section, we are elated to have two new fantastic sponsors here on the Search Engine Journal Network, and we couldn't be more excited. Yes, and this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock is brought to you by Ahrefs. So whether you work for a big brand, run your own small business, or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always an issue. And Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that solves that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. If you want to learn more, check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And if you want to try it, they have a seven-day trial for only seven bucks. Seven dollars for seven days. Head on over to ahrefs.com, ahrefs.com to sign up. And today's show is also sponsored by Optio. Optio helps Google Ads managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optimize accounts, monitor performance, track budgets, and get alerts when important changes happen. And Optio is a fantastic tool. Most folks, if you go, get a 30-day free trial, but not listeners of Marketing Clock. You get six weeks for free when you go to optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com forward slash S-E-J, not just 30 days, six full weeks. Wow. 
All right, Jess, what's in the news this week? All right, first up in the news this week, Google Ads message extensions are going away soon. According to the Google Ads developer blog, as of January 27th, you'll no longer be able to create new message extensions or edit existing ones. And that second part doesn't really matter because as of the 27th also, any existing message extensions will stop serving. So I think it's safe to say that Google will be sliding out of your DMs at the end of <laughs> January. <laughs> Chef laughs, but that's her joke. I totally stole it. <laughs> she should get the credit. It sounds better when you say it. I know, but you get the credit. It's genius. So for folks that are using them, don't worry yet. Performance data will not disappear on you right away. You'll still be able to see the data even after the 27th for your message extensions. Why can't you see it till perpetuity? It, well, that's a great question. You would think it would just stay in there, but it's being deleted at the end of 2020. Because a lot of times you'll look back and say year over year, even look a few years back trying to find some seasonal patterns. And if you actually were getting a lot of messages coming in, that'd be helpful to have not just wipe it clean heading into 2021. Yeah. Just let it let it reside. No, nope. It's going to be gone. So if you want to use that data for any future reporting or even just to have as a reference, after the 27th, maybe set a calendar alert for the 28th. Just export it now while you're thinking about it because by, you know, come Christmas 2020, you're probably not going to be thinking about it and it'll be gone when you come back after the new year. So for those of you that have been using message extensions successfully, the sunset doesn't have to spell death for your campaigns if they've been doing really well. Mark Irvine over at WordStream has some tips for things to test in their stead, assuming that you're not already using them like call extensions and lead forms. So we've got a link to his article in the show notes as well if you want more insight, but really just as with any major change, guys, be sure to keep an extra close eye on your campaigns because performance may shift again, especially if these message extensions were doing really well for you. All right. Next up, there's an article over on the MIT Technology Review about a Google competitor, not Bing, not the Klocksker winner <laughs> DuckDuckGo or even Wolfram Alpha. It's about Baidu. The name of the article is Baidu has a new trick for teaching AI the meaning of language. There was a big test, and Baidu came out with a new model that passed the glue test, something that looks like it will stick. <laughs> and glue is an acronym for General Language Understanding Evaluation. Not everything needs an acronym. That one's good, though. You don't like this? Just wait, Chef. I know. <laughs> and it can handle diverse reading comprehension tasks. The full score you can get is 100. The average person scores around 87. And Baidu is the first team to surpass 90 with a new model that it released called Ernie. It's out of control. And Ernie is an acronym that stands for Enhanced Representation Through, the T, T doesn't come in Ernie, Knowledge, but the N is where they took the N from Knowledge, Integration, and they took the I and the E from Integration. So Ernie stands for Enhanced Representation Through Knowledge Integration. No, it doesn't. Style points. No, I'm it, sorry, sorry Baidu. It should be <laughs> Ertke or Erky. There's no way you can get Ernie from this. Oh, Bert and Ernie. It's such a stretch. It, You're looking at me like <laughs> you think we didn't know that? No, I know. <laughs> it's so out of control. This is. I'm going to nominate this for worst name of the year so for annoying. 2020, and we're one week in, and this is the winner. How do you pull an N out of knowledge? It's in there. And the I and an E out of and integration? Of words to pull an N out of its knowledge. Like. <laughs> what a disservice. What a disservice to the language. I don't, I don't know how you could score 90 with this thing. Anyway, before Bert and now 
Ertke, <laughs> search engines would predict and interpret the meaning of a word by considering only the context that appeared before or after it. So what Bert did, as we've talked about this past year here in 2019, is it considers the context before and after a word all at once. So it makes it bi-directional, and that's where the B comes from, which makes sense. It does use a technique called masking, and it'll take 15% of the words and mask it and try to figure out what happens. But Ertke uses a new version of masking that hides strings of characters rather than just single characters. So it'll take blocks of text and try to figure out what that means, and that's maybe why it's smarter Ertke, a.k.a. Ernie, takes these these bigger blocks. And if you want to see what this looks like, head over to the technology review. We have the in the show notes. And they look at how a human would see in a, a sentence and then how it could be masked if you're using Bert and how it could be masked if you're using Ertke. So <laughs> check that out. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's take comes from the queen of spice herself, Pamela Lund, at Pamela underscore Lund on Twitter. Pamela tweeted out, Every time you duplicate a Facebook ad set and accidentally click the messenger radio button, screwing up all of your ads and generating 50 error messages... A Facebook dev gets a bonus. Hashtag PPC chat. Hashtag FB ads chat. Those are some shots fired. Yeah. I feel like I heard the mic drop from here. <laughs> yeah. Because is, is, is this really just an accident that it's so horrible or are they trying to mess with us and make us spend money we don't want to? That. There should just be somebody that is advertising in the dev team. being like, What are you doing? Again, you need, we've got a new segment coming up here called the Don't Do This Department. <laughs> and they need somebody there on the dev team that actually uses the tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's not the only thing that happens. Or get Pamela on the blower. She'll help out. <laughs> that's who you need. Anyone, any person, any marketer or advertiser that uses Facebook ads could give you some insight into what's wrong with your tool. Call any of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Pamela. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid. Organic. And social. This week's paid lightning round is brought to you by Optio. Optio makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic or creative work. Whether you work in an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. Shep, how do you use Optio? I use Optio as a tool for monitoring and optimizing my campaigns in Google Ads and getting new perspectives on my accounts. They have insights and recommendations for seemingly everything in your Google Ads account, from keywords and bid adjustments to ad schedules and location targeting. So for example, today they recommended I pause an ad because it wasn't performing as well as another in the ad group. But they didn't just recommend that I pause it. They also said if this ad group needs a new ad to replace the pause one, Optio will automatically create a new ad task, which is really cool. Like they think of everything. They don't just make blind recommendations. They think of the whole picture. So there's all kinds of little gems in there. It's awesome. Everyone's got to check it out. And to learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, head on over to optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot -E com forward slash S-E-J. Just like Search Engine Journal. Wow, who would have <laughs> thought about that? And here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. 
First, Amazon announced they are simplifying their vendor advertising registration process. Previously, agencies needed vendor codes to register and wait for Amazon's approval before setting up new advertising accounts. These changes do away with both of those requirements. So agencies now only need the approval of the authorized vendor central account holder. So that's their client. And the idea is that these changes will make it easier for agencies to register and advertise on their client's behalf. And I always love stuff like this where we can set it up and do the work for our client, but they own it. Yeah. It's kind of like prime for agencies. (laughs) And of course it's brought to you by Amazon. Yeah, that's great. Next, according to a forecast from publicist group's Zenith, the internet accounted for half of all U.S. ad spend in 2019. At the beginning of the decade, internet media was responsible for only 15% of ad spend, one five. Just a little math check here. The headline from this Ad Age article says that the internet ad spend accounted for half of U.S. ad spend this year, but it's actually 49.6%. But I think they did that because they came up with the best line to start the article. It says... In media spending, it's halves and half knots. Wow. <laughs> so I would have just jumped to 50% too. Absolutely. And it'll it. probably be there by 2020. Next, Spotify is suspending all political advertising on the platform in 2020 for both their ad supported subscription tier, which is non premium members, and its original and exclusive podcast. The company will not control political ads for their embedded third party podcasts. So, Kanye, if you do decide to run in 2020, you can call Marketing O'Clock. We are not a Spotify original podcast. Who would you vote for, Kanye or T-Swift? Oh, T-Swift. Okay. That's not a question. Hope. But we're not getting political on the show. (laughs) Well, I don't think this is really politics. (laughs) He said he was running. Oh, my. Running where? Like, to the store? I would vote for Kanye West 2020. Okay. All the way. Well, I guess we'll also accept T-Swift and Kanye. You, if you run. And it's not every day that we purport crime on our show, but I have a true crime story to share today. Oh my. <laughs> According to researchers in the Financial Times, fake clicks on online ads are costing companies tens of billions a year. Some of this is due to known issues such as fake traffic to sites from automated bots, but there are also issues with the ad networks themselves. <gasps> Quote, Some criminals have set up racks of smartphones to click on ads from complicit websites or ad networks. They can then claim the commission or referral fees that advertisers pay for each download. That's insane. One of the biggest culprits of this click fraud is app campaigns. And Machine, a company that tracks ad fraud, found that 49% of app downloads that were driven by online ads in 2019 were fraudulent. Whoa. Have you ever seen those pictures of the phone setups where the, uh, things are just being touched? No. no. It's crazy. I'll have to find that Twitter. And, and, and they're bots? Yeah, total bots. It's like a phone farm and everything's plugged in and it's just hitting That's buttons. Not what I thought it was. I just thought it was like some big computer that pretended to be a phone. That's wild. I'm, I'm guessing that's what smarter people do. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what I saw. <laughs> or actual physical phones. That I was like pretty crazy. Set up better. That sounds fun to watch. <laughs> so, this is super spooky, and we rely on our ad networks for their data and expect them to be transparent. And we just would hope that this wasn't happening, but it's going to be a great documentary when we get to the bottom of it. <laughs> you know what, though? Is it? That's that's my I think question. It is. <laughs> because I feel like true crime, you'd have like blood and you'd be like the fingerprints. We got the fingerprints. We got this piece of hair. How did the hair get here? Here's like, I got a couple of ones and zeros. You haven't seen Don't F with Cats, have you? No, I have not. It's all oh. about the internet sleuths. 
Okay. Well, it's really good. You sold me. You have to close your eyes a lot, though, when they hurt the cats. I couldn't even yeah. watch the trailer for that. Netflix. Like, I didn't turn Netflix on for weeks. 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 Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hulu got a lot of views from me. <laughs> Justice for the cats. And finally, the California Consumer Privacy Act, or CCPA, went into effect on January 1st, and companies are scrambling to comply with the new regulations. So I'm assuming these companies don't listen to our show because I feel like we've been talking about this for a really long time and nothing else. How dare they? Especially (laughs) here on Team Paid. (laughs) So as a refresher, the CCPA requires some companies to notify their site visitors if they plan on selling their personal data and allow site users to easily opt out of the sale of their data. This act is leaving companies with a lot of questions, the biggest two being what exactly does sell mean and which businesses have to follow the law. In addition to confusing everyone, the act is also going to cost people a lot of money. So in 2019, a report by the Attorney General's office estimated that getting in compliance with the law could cost companies $55 billion up front with the potential for an additional $16 billion over the next decade. That's a lot of moolah. <laughs> we will have the article linked in our show notes, and it's really in-depth and interesting and worth a read. But one key takeaway here, you don't necessarily need to panic so much yet. This law will not be enforced until July just goes into effect on January 1st, which is a little confusing. I think yeah. you're out there advocating for true crime. <laughs> <laughs> just do what you want. They're not going to fine you until July. Well, that's fine. But you should get your act together. So there's also a little info in here about how the act came into be, and I found it really wildly interesting, and I want more info. The quote was, <laughs> it began when Alistair McTaggart. Can I, can I stop you for a second? <laughs> Alistair McTaggart? <laughs> That sounds like a villain in Game of Thrones. You know, it's the best the- name ever. That's why I'm reading the quote. <laughs> Alistair McTaggart. Like, oh, House McTaggart. Alistair. I thought Harry Potter, but Game of Thrones works too. Okay. Sorry. Okay. It began when Alistair McTaggart, a San Francisco real estate developer, had a disturbing conversation about digital privacy with a Google engineer at a cocktail party. He decided to bankroll a 2018 ballot measure campaign to fix the problem. Okay, so my first thought was Alistair McTaggart's the best name in the world. My second thought was this sounds like one of Greg's recipe blogs. Like how yes. <laughs> and my third was how do we get invited to these Google cocktail parties because I have a lot of questions. Yeah, and I yeah. want to see Alistair too. You just need to get a couple cocktails in them and they and all open up. all of a sudden up. you're on, on the ballot. <laughs> it's great. Like, honestly, I don't even know how there's so much this perplexing to the sentence you just read, <laughs> not just the name. It's the fact that you have this conversation about privacy mm-hmm. and you're drinking and you're like, hey, I need to make this top priority. And then you go out of your own money and you bankroll a campaign to get on a ballot measure. <laughs> this is like different language to me. Alistair who needs is, his own documentary. Yeah. Who is he? What does he do? Why He's a real estate developer. Oh, it says that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, well, that is what's happening in paid. What is happening in organic? This week's organic lightning round is brought to you by Ahrefs. Ahrefs makes competitive analysis easy. Their tools show you how your competitors are getting traffic from Google and why. You can see the pages and content that's on them, the most searched traffic, find out the exact keywords they're ranking for, and which backlinks are helping them rank. From there, you can replicate or improve on their strategies. If you're not getting significant search traffic, Ahrefs tools also help to find topics worth creating pages or content on. 
You can easily see estimated search volumes and gauge traffic potential with their Keywords Explorer tool. If you are getting search traffic, use features like their top pages report to break down which of your pages are bringing in the most traffic and figure out how you can replicate this success. Jess, how do you use Ahrefs? Well, as you said, there's a lot it can do, but recently I have been using the Content Gap Report, which I find really fascinating and super easy to use. It lets you compare other websites against your own and see what terms they're ranking for that you're not. And it's just as simple as popping in a couple domains that are your competitors and getting that list of terms. So just this week, I checked out the report for a client and I uncovered a few areas of opportunity. Basically, one of our biggest competitors is ranking for ranking at the top for some services that we really only have ever touted as part of a larger package, but haven't really put focus on on their own. So now we have a great place to start with going after new leads in 2020. So I'm really excited. All thanks to the Content Gap Report. Nice. That's some great gap analysis there. <laughs> and they, if you want to test it out for yourself, head on over to hrefs.com. That is spelled A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. And they have a seven-day trial for only seven bucks. Check it out. And here's what's happening in organic this week. First up, we have a joy bomb from Joy Hawkins over on the local search forum. And there is a big improvement over the write a review button that used to appear and wrongly prompt business owners to review themselves on Google. And instead of that tool, it now says get more reviews. So you don't review it yourself, which wouldn't make sense. You get a pop-up now, which allows you to share a instant review link. You can either copy the link yourself, email it to somebody, tweet it out, or share it on Facebook. That's great. A lot of times I forget how to make that link. And if you can just head over to your GMB listing and click on get more reviews, you can then get that quick link that you can share with folks. I guess this is the local segment here because next up, the Google Local Pack Choose Area feature is now live. And this comes from Barry Schwartz over on Search Engine Roundtable. He has an example of a listing where it says near West Nyack and allows you to choose an area if you don't want a service in West Nyack. And in this example, it pops up on mobile and you can choose which location you want to actually see the, the listings for. And I think this feature makes a lot of sense because many folks don't necessarily need services where they work, let's say. You might work in a different area. And so for this example with Nyack, you could, or West Nyack rather, you could search for something in Palisade Center Drive, Bardonia, Nanuet, and Belluvet. Are those real places? Yeah, I think uh, Alistar is building a new complex over there. <laughs> so I, I I like this. You don't just have to be relegated to where you are now. You can say, oh, I'm actually going to some other place that could be close by. And lastly, in this local section here, there's a tweet from Max Minzer, and he says, kudos being places. Doesn't stop surprising. Always had the best options to verify local business, and this is a nice addition. And I hadn't seen this before, but you can now verify a location by app. So you can get a verification pin using a mobile app and verify your your location on, on an app instead of just by mail, which is really cool. And now we're on to a new segment called the No Heck Sherlock Files. <laughs> and this comes from Google. And the article is called Google. You always need textual content on page. This is also from Barry Schwartz over at seroundtable.com. There is a Webmaster 
Office Hours, I believe is, is where this came from, but it was John Mueller over at Google, and he released the following statement or mentioned the following statement in the talk, and he said, you always need textual content on page. Regardless of what other kinds of content you might have, if you're a video hosting site, you still need things like titles, headings, text, links, etc. The same goes for audio hosting sites. Make it easy for search engines to understand your content and how it's relevant to users, and they'll be able to send you relevant traffic. I don't have any tattoos, <laughs> but the final sentence may be my first tattoo. Okay. And this is how he ended it. If you make it hard for search engines to figure out what your pages are about, it would be normal for them to struggle to figure out how your site <laughs> is relevant for users. I feel like I say that nonstop to clients. He also said it in a more confusing way than you do, though. He did. he did. There were a lot of knots in there, I think. Yes. I, I Maybe that's a bad tattoo. Maybe we can work. <laughs> we'll workshop it for the next time. But that is going to be my first tattoo. Okay. I don't know where. I could just get a forearm tattoo. It's, so when a client asks me something, I could just put a forearm up. I think we'd have to go like around. It's pretty long. Maybe a lip tattoo. And just go, yeah, it'll all fit in there lip. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then keeping it on the no-hack Sherlock, Google again says, linking out to high-authority sites does not help with your <laughs> rankings. This is an early nominee for Tweet Thread of the Year. There is a <laughs> Twitter account called Blog Like Prue. They said, is this true? And had a graph showing that sites linking to authoritative <laughs> content may count more than those that do not. Basically saying, if you have a website and I link out to sites that are authoritative, is this going to help me? And John Mueller, again, simply replies, no. <laughs> no, that's it. And all of his tweets are made better by his avatar. <laughs> his avatar with his hands up and his yeah. name. He calls it Banana John no. Banana. <laughs> Give some emphasis. Yeah. No. No. All right. Well, that does it for the no no hack Sherlock files, and Google Search Console coverage report was delayed by about 10 days. So there was a 10-day delay that started on the 20th of December and made its way all the way through the 1st of January, actually part onto yesterday, the 2nd, and it's fixed now. But if you were looking in the Google Search Console coverage report and you didn't see anything, you've been holding your breath this whole time, you can breathe again. Thank God. And A, you should probably go see a doctor because that's not normal if you're still, <laughs> still some, with us. And some holidays in there. <laughs> yeah, it's some important times. should be breathing. All right, next up, Google search adds watch list to bookmark movies and TV. Keeping track of what you're watching is apparently harder than ever in the golden age of television and streaming services. What? Don't really think that that's it. No, this sounds cool. You like this? Yeah, Okay. I think ahead. Hope will too. So let's take a poll after this. Google is adding a built-in watch list to search that lets you quickly bookmark movies and TV shows. The functionality is currently only available on mobile through the web or Google app for Android and iOS. A piece of content's knowledge panel will have a new card underneath trailers and stills with a watched it checkmark and watch list bookmark icon. Movies still in the theaters also get a get tickets button that switches to the showtimes tab. So will you be using the watch list or watched it feature on Google search? I, I really like the idea of it. I don't know if I'll use it, but I like the idea. Hope. I love this idea. You will use <laughs> will Google be, search. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you know how many movies I have to watch 
just to catch up to the Oscars and mm-hmm. the Golden Globes. It's so many. And if I can make a list, and I'm watching trailers all the time anyway, so if I can make a list and check it off, I love usually it. have multiple lists but in my phone. Don't you have paper really? or like uh, notes? I mean, I, I keep it on my notes? phone. But it's nice if you're watching the trailer and it intrigues you. I can just bookmark it right there. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Keep it going. See, that seems love too much it. to me. Then I have to go and I, I'm going to go watch a movie and I have to go to Google search. Yeah. I don't like that. It's not like it's going to play it for you right there. That would be nice if you could add it to your list and then just watch it right from Google search. Well, you can get tickets too. I don't need this. Who's going to that movie theater? Let's me. Hope goes to the movie <laughs> I, theater. She goes to the movie theater more than... I honestly might go to the movie theater tonight after work. What are you going to see? I kind of want to see Star Wars again. Oh, well, don't spoil it. I still haven't seen it. I won't. Thank you. I want to see Kylo Ren. <laughs> I love him. Okay. Thank you. Well, <laughs> Check it off as watched it and also put it on your watch list then. Okay, next up, Google has to improve their structured data reporting, according to Jono Alderson. And he has some very valid points if you are very into schema and markup. He's got some breakdowns that kind of look at non-uniformity between some of the reporting on what you get and some of the kind of page element data. So he talks about the fact that reports are element-centric that are based on visualizing the numbers of URLs where feature a specific type of structured data, but that the mental model for structured data is page-centric so that the reporting is also page-centric. You have to kind of see the examples of it, and he talks about the teams being more team-centric that release things and that there's a disconnect. So if something's going wrong, that's a, some type of markup, it fires markups on every page, errors and it just if you I have never really thought about it but he makes a very valid point showing the discrepancies between the way schema should be working and some of the reporting issues next up the IRS is reforming the free file program and has dropped the agreement not to compete with turbo tax this isn't a financial podcast here but there's some very interesting I didn't know there was an agreement that's interesting so what happened Back in October, ProPublica did an expose on TurboTax and found that some of the free products were blocked from search engines. So if so, there was an offering of a free product, a free TurboTax product, but it was very hard to find if you were searching for it on purpose. Because two years ago, I know I did it for free, and then last year I couldn't find it for free. Was well, I a victim? You were a yeah. victim. Wow. How does that wow. make you feel, Shep? I'm upset. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be a victim. You should know this. You should, you should be able to... They out- took 40 bucks out of my tax return. Ugh. Rude. How dare they? So this addendum to the deal is known as free file. And so companies are now barred from hiding their free products from search engines. And if you do, that's going to be a huge problem. So I like it. It's open to more folks now. And you cannot be as deceptive. And don't try to take another 40 bucks from Shep here in 2020. Don't you dare. All right, and lastly here this week, Bing revives its cashback program with rebates. And this comes from George Wynn over at Search Engine Land. And Bing has introduced Bing Rebates, the successor to a now-defunct cashback shopping program. The new program makes rebates available to select Microsoft Rewards members when they make purchases through participating retailers on Bing. George had a great Why We Care And he talked about the fact that in the wake of numerous developments in the e-commerce sector, such as PayPal's acquisition of Honey, Google's revamped shopping experience, and third-party coupon sites partnering up with publishers, 
Bing is offering incentives for users to do the shopping on its search engine. What's new on social this week, Jess? All right, a quick social round here. First up, though, Snapchat will launch Bitmoji TV, a personalized cartoon show. This is from TechCrunch. So coming in February, Snapchat users globally will get to see their own Bitmoji along with those of their friends starring in animated adventures. My Bitmoji is already a celebrity, so I just can't wait to see what she's up to. What is she doing? Why is she famous? She's just well-known around town. I mean, she actually, (laughs) her fashions, (laughs) and just always knowing what to say. We should put a picture of her in the show notes because Shep's Bitmoji is like the most spot-on Bitmoji of a human being I've ever seen. Is it better than mine? (laughs) We'll put yours in there too and we'll let the users decide. It's a very close race, but yes. Okay. (laughs) So... This looks really fun. I, it's not probably not enough to get me onto Snapchat, but I'm not in their their demo really. I'm a little bit too old. As we talked about last week, they don't really need me either. They're already hitting 90% of 13 to 24-year-olds, which not that I'm in that age group, but they got lots of folks on the platform. So the folks over at TechCrunch reached out to Snap to try and get more details about this, like how long episodes will be and whether or not they're going to include ads. Snapchat didn't really comment. They didn't offer any specifics, but I think they'd be kind of stupid not to monetize this because people are really into themselves and I think it's going to take off. People are going to want to see these stories and I'm going to want to run ads on This them. is sad. Really? You're going to watch a TV show about yourself? <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not on Snapchat, but I think the youth will be really into it. Well, let's go over to Gen Z. Hope, <laughs> will you be using the Bitmoji Snapchat TV show, personalized cartoon show about yourself? Well, I don't have Snapchat anymore, so oh. no. You know who will use it probably is Andrew in the office because he always sends me the comic strips that they do right now with Bit Bitmoji. Or yeah, or whatever. They give you like stories with you and your friends. So this is the animated version of that. I bet Andrew uses it. Not that he's going to listen to this. It seems cute. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know. I think it'll be a good way to monetize towards the youth. So hopefully they'll put some ads on there. It's going to take off. And what's not going to take off, for our armed forces at least, is TikTok. All members of the U.S. military have been banned from using TikTok on government-issued devices. And it's not because the app is contributing to productivity loss, <laughs> which is what I thought at first, but it's actually out of data privacy concerns. It's kind of a complicated scenario, so you can read the article for the full details. But basically, TikTok's parent company, ByteDance is Chinese, and any Chinese-owned company is required to give the Chinese government access to user data upon request. So for obvious reasons, the military is being extra careful here, but according to ByteDance, we don't have to have to be careful here in the U.S. because TikTok does not operate in China, and the government of the PRC has no access to TikTok's users' data. In the United States, TikTok is operated by a U.S. entity. So... I don't know if there's anything to be worried about, especially as civilians. I get why the military is being cautious, but a lot of hubbub. A lot of people are talking about it. I guess the big question is if the Chinese government did want access to trends data in order to better craft their own messaging, would they be able to get it from TikTok? So why would you use any social media on a government device? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like mess, like projecting my exact coordinates. Like, oh, hey, look, I'm doing a dance over here. Oh, right, exactly. At this latitude and longitude. <laughs> Doesn't sound oh, like thanks. the best idea. Exactly. So I think that's, that obviously makes sense. The rest of us, maybe we're just being worried. It's a little big brother. But, I mean, I don't know. Do any of us even use TikTok? Nope. Gen Z. Hope, Gen Z. Hope, do you care? The voice of the generation. If China knows what you're watching, those cat and cheese videos or whatever you watch. <laughs> Throwing cheese anywhere is 
comedy gold. It's so funny. So do yes, you use TikTok? I use I use I use TikTok. Yeah, you do. Okay, and, yeah. so let's do a quick. I so learned the dances. I learned my first TikTok dance the other day. There's I was so proud of myself. What's a TikTok dance? It's just a random dance to a song. They're really complicated. So you learn the dance. <laughs> yeah. You record yourself doing the dance, and you pipe the audio in. Yep. Or do you dance to the audio? You dance to the audio. Okay. Okay. So you're it's not on art. Snapchat. You are on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Gen Z. What else are you on? Facebook? I feel old. No, I hate Facebook. Instagram. Yes. I love your Instagram. And She's Pinterest. Pinterest is probably my favorite social network. Hmm. I wouldn't even know if you call it a social network, but... Twitter? Yep. Would you care if the Chinese government knew what you were pinning on no, Pinterest? No, I feel like everybody's watching me anyway. I just feel like it's the world we live in, so... Yeah. Whatever. You heard it from Jen. If Z. the Chinese <laughs> want to check out my TikTok dances, go for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, and we've got a new segment here this week called the Don't Do It Department. We've talked about setting this up for a while and it's official. We're going to run an idea past the department and determine <laughs> if it's a good idea or a bad idea. And this idea comes from Emily Mullen at Emily L. Mullen on Twitter. And she says, Looks like Facebook is starting to roll out its new preventative health tool. Important to note that health info you share on social media platforms is not covered by HIPAA, which means Facebook is not obligated by law to protect it. And the image she found says, Emily, see what health checkups are recommended for you. Learn what the leading health organizations recommend for heart health, cancer prevention, and seasonal illness. So we need a verdict here, department. The don't do it, department. What say you? I say don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) This is an awful idea. It sounds like a horrible idea. (laughs) Made all the better by the fact that it looks like Facebook can give you health advice for women to grow goatees from the look at this picture. Oh my god. It is a, a odd <laughs> picture. That's her hair. And I can I can tell you what the problem is. Oh, I thought it was a goatee. <laughs> it looks like it at first glance. The person she's checking up, like I'm not a doctor. But this guy's blue. Check out the show notes. He's blue. He's not getting any oxygen. Yeah, that's not covered by him. No, don't give your health information to Facebook. No. Don't do it. Wow. This is a terrible idea. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? So I was loving all of the apps while we were out of the office a little bit the last couple weeks. And one thing I noticed was the Google Ads app doesn't have labels for your campaigns. And we rely on labels quite heavily and we had like campaign shutting off at certain holidays and towards the end of the month and we would have to log in on the computer to do anything with labels, which I found a little frustrating, but still love the apps. All right. For me, I got just a quick pro tip for anyone with a super long Excel file name that tries to open it. You may see a warning that says that the file has been deleted or moved and cannot be opened. Double check your file name. If it's far too long, just change it, make it shorter, and the file should open, especially if you know it hasn't been moved or deleted because you're sitting there trying to open it. It's probably just your file name. I've run into this a bunch lately, and it keeps happening to me. So just keep your file name short, succinct. shouldn't have a problem. Nice. And we recently took over an account that was set up by a different 
actually by a Google rep had made some recommendations. And I just want to give a warning about maximized click bidding. And this one account had maximized clicks on. And if you, there, there are certain instances where you could do better with maximized clicks. If traffic is your only goal, which would be kind of idiotic. But maximize clicks if you don't have a lot of volume, if it's something that is a very technical term, if there's tough, if you've got a low click-through rate, let's say, can be super expensive. And I heard a bunch of people on Twitter talking about getting campaigns to pop, basically, and get them moving by going to max clicks and then going to a real kind of bidding uh, model. But just a warning, maximize clicks can take whatever you are paying and there's no cap on it. And there were instances where it was five times what the average CPC was. I'm talking like hundred plus dollars per click for things that weren't even that, that quite frankly weren't worth anything and just bidding a ton for. So if you're using maximized clicks, you have to be super vigilant. You have to really know what you're doing. It is not, not really recommended. It's one of those things where it's hard to say, you should never use this, mm-hmm. but it's almost, it's such an outlier that you ever can use maximized clicks the right way. Yikes. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Get rid of it. I'm over it. <laughs> Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH is an article from The Next Web, and it was penned by Derek Steer, CEO of Mode. Derek is talking about dashboards, and he explains why, in his opinion, businesses have become too reliant on dashboards as a tool for analyzing data. So his main complaints are that they take too long to build, that they present data that isn't necessary, like recurring dashboards that served a one-time decision, that they require analysts to constantly check on them, and that they provide the what and not the why. And he says that dashboards will begin to die in 2020, RIP, and that there will be a push toward using AI and smart alerts. And the name of the article is 2020 will be the year AI kills company dashboards. I doubt it. Dashboards can be super helpful if you have a brain in your head. And saying something takes too long to build is like not a good argument for anything. Like if you're doing something <laughs> no. the right way... And you're using it all the time to analyze your data. That's worth your time. Yeah. Time well spent. Yeah, and I'll put I'll put it in here, but there was a great article a few years back from Ian Laurie over at Portent at the time, and he talked about progressive dashboards and how if you've got some very basic information at the beginning, you can make these these tools that work for a variety of different personas within a company. And it's always stuck out to me, that article specifically. So if you have something like, oh, a dashboard is traffic, and then you can pop through further and say, well, here's a look at our organic traffic, pop through further. Oh, here's social traffic, here's ad traffic. Dashboards can be very helpful. I just get a little bit worried whenever anybody thinks they can replace something with AI because Mm -hmm. I know AI. It's very, very good, but it should be not killing things. It should be enhancing things. Because the idea of a smart alert sounds useful, but it wouldn't be proactive. It would be reactive. Like you wouldn't know possibly until it's too late. Like that sounds like something you could use with dashboards. Right. So if your traffic is slowly declining, maybe you're not going to see that. And, I'll, and who said that? Bill Gates said we underestimate 
we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in a decade or something like that. Ooh, I've never heard that Or one. a short period of time, long period of time. It's something like that. So this maybe could pick up spikes, but if you're just slowly declining, mm-hmm. you don't have any dashboards out when killed, you're not going to see this, this, this <laughs> decline. Like dashboards are helpful. Bad dashboards stink. Yeah. It's like anything. It can be good or bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And WTH. I, there's always going to be executives that want dashboards too. You can't get rid of those. Because if you start sending executives smart alerts, they're going to hit the panic button and you're, they're going to be calling you, my our impressions are down. Why are our impressions <laughs> down? Like that's not your thing to worry about, CEO. Impressions are down yeah. because we turned off something that was giving us, you know, junk. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is Entity Explorer. It's free and it lets you explore, well, entities, which for those that don't know are defined by Google as a thing or concept that is singular, unique, well-defined, and distinguishable. And obviously these entities don't just exist alone in space. Google uses their relationship to other entities to better determine what they are and then what best results to serve you up in the context of your search query. But how does one even start thinking like that? It's kind of hard. It seems seems difficult. So that's where Entity Explorer comes in. It's a really simple free tool that allows you to start with a single term or entity and map out ideas, words, and concepts related to it. And then further, even more entities related to those, just again, to start kind of thinking like a search engine. So for example, I plugged in chicken earlier just to see what came up and I got all kinds of things. I got crispy, I got baby, I got KFC and I got rooster. Oh, have you ever had that? The crispy baby KFC chicken? (laughs) I have not. Interesting choice as the vegetarian at the table. I know. Why'd you put chicken in? (laughs) Well, because see, you guys think of chicken as a food, but I think of it as an animal. So this this is where this is helpful because definitely had different things like rooster came up, but then KFC came up. So it's just different things so different contexts and then after rooster i got fighter which scared me but also good morning so it's really fun and it's a great tool just to get the wheels moving again think of different ways that a certain thing can be thought about it's great if you're working on content so head on over to entityexplorer.com and start playing with it now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week an article so advanced so in-depth so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Greg Sterling over at Search Engine Land, and he has the big list of Google My Business Changes, Upgrades, and Tests in 2019. And Greg goes month by month and recaps every single thing that happened to Google My Business in 2019. I saw the article. I was like, ah, there's probably not that much. There's a lot. Every single month, he has to recap what happened and then has links to everything. So if you are trying to double check your local listings or you're new into the space, head on over to the article over at Search Engine Land and see everything that happened in 2019. Thank you, Greg. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to Ahrefs and Optio, our new sponsors here in 2020. And if you're looking for another great podcast, don't miss this week's episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. And while there wasn't a new episode this week due to the holidays, I pulled out a best of. Episode 158 with Brent Satoris and the one and only Michelle Robbins, where they talk about where search and SEO are heading in 2020 and beyond. 
very apropos for the time. It was a good one. Yep. And Aim clears. Michelle Robbins shares her insights on the future of SEO, what's important, where things are going. And at one point in the interview, she says, and this is why Michelle is just the best, if I have to have one more conversation about keywords, I think my, I might stab myself in the face. <laughs> Poor so thing. check that out. Episode 158 of the Search Engine Journal show where they talk about what could be coming here in 2020. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after a famous Friday news show, so we don't talk about marketing anymore, we just shoot the heck. And this week, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, start 2020 off right. We're playing Poke Holes in This, where we give out an idea, and it's everybody else's job to try to figure out why this won't work, and we workshop it, Poke Holes in the idea. And so, you want me to start, Jess? Yeah, why don't you start? Okay, so I'm going to go with a no-brainer here. I was just thinking about it today. There's no holes to poke in this, just as a heads up. <laughs> it's a fork with a blade on the end of the fork. Oh, so that when you're eating, you can just cut through whatever piece of meat. Maybe you're eating a chicken, some KFC. Cutting through that crispy chicken, you can just cut and then use the fork. Personally, I mouth. like my hands, so yeah. I will not be destroying them with the <laughs> knife holder blade. But you could easily just cut your food and then eat it. You also need a fork to use a knife. Like you have to hold it down with something, so that would not work. all the time. Not if you're dexterous enough. Nobody is talking about the fact you're going to cut your mouth open when you slide the food off the fork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this an all-in-one utensil, or is it just a no, fork and knife? No, just a fork knife. Because <laughs> the spork one was a bad idea. That's a good idea. Spork? Nobody ever. You can't sports, you can't with use. a spork. It's only good for taco salad. Spork's a nice an idea, but this is good because you can just cut and eat. It's just on the other end of the fork. No, on it's, it's on the fork, oh, and so when it's it goes on in your one mouth, end. and you. Oh, I thought it was on the end you held. That's not good. I thought it was no, on the other you're end. Not holding oh, the blade. Then you're going to cut your tongue. That's even more important than That's your hand. What I'm saying. We poked so many holes in that, we didn't even Bad. need a knife. Bad. <laughs> well, you could have poked more if you had a knife blade. Okay, Jess, what do you have? Fair enough. All right, my first one is inspired by the most recent travel buddies that we did. Hope got me thinking. She was talking about Ooh. tipping. I think we need <gasps> signs that state whether or not a person is paid server wage or regular wage so we know whether or not we should tip them. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> My only, my biggest hole to poke in this is you're, you're, could there be a little bit of shame? People get, get a lot of shame nowadays. So yeah. you're making a server wage or you're making under minimum wage. But isn't a server wage meaning you're waitressing? Yeah, or bartending. So you or... don't make minimum wage because. Right. You so if you're working at a, tips. if you're working at a coffee shop, I'm pretty sure they make minimum wage. Mighty Taco makes like fourteen dollars an hour. Yeah. But nobody but, you don't tip twenty percent at a coffee shop, you tip it. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was complaining about. Well you don't pay twenty percent to a bartender. That, that dries off your car at a car wash. If they do a good job. Do they do they make minimum wage or no? No. I don't know. They make above minimum wage or less? 
I don't I know. Think it they make minimum I think wage. they make minimum wage. They don't. At, at, a car at the wash? biggest car wash in the area, you do not make minimum Delta wage. Really? Delta Sonic, Correct. they don't make, make minimum wage. Minimum wage. Okay, you this is see? important information. People need to know that. That's okay, what so I'm, I don't have any holes about I think you say under minimum wage if you make under minimum wage. Yeah, I feel like forget shame. You want money. Would tip more. Yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah. Because I I wouldn't tip those people drying off my car. Now I'm going to. Yeah. So here's a good one. The next holiday we have is Easter. No, the Valentine's Day. Day. Those aren't Valentine's Day is my favorite. Don't try to poke holes in my next holiday. This is not what you're poking holes in. (laughs) So we have an Easter bunny on Easter, and that doesn't make sense. I hate the Easter bunny. Okay, everybody hates the Easter bunny. I hate them. And then the thing that really stinks about the Easter bunny is it lays eggs. And you're like, what do we even do with these eggs, right? I'm like, Wait, it's a bunny. I don't think he I'm lays sorry. The he lays them down. I'm Whatever. sorry. Listen, These are listen, listen. So, so we got the Easter eggs that don't make sense. The bunny's going around doing this. I think we take those eggs and we bring them to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a little bland for kids. What we can do, you keep the basket for Easter um, and you have turkey eggs. Yeah. And the turkey goes around and laid a bunch of eggs and you find the turkey eggs rebranding Easter eggs is turkey eggs, poke holes in this. But nobody dresses up for Thanksgiving. But there's a turkey that's actually yeah, in the house. Yeah, there's already a turkey. There's a giant turkey that dresses up? No, well, you have no. a turkey in your house, and you pretend that the turkey laid the eggs. This is not your worst idea, but I have a hole to poke. Okay. The weather may not be as nice on Thanksgiving, yeah. and you can't hide the eggs outside. Easter's also, always the turkey's freezing. dead. You're going to eat him. <laughs> well, you live on through the eggs, though. It's po- be positive about this. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> Sounds like a maybe. Sure. I'll take it as a maybe. Jess, I have what do you no have? thoughts. All right. My next one. I don't have a creative name for it yet, but indoor sunglasses. So something that blocks your eyes so people cannot see that you're either staring at them or just not paying attention to them at all, but doesn't F with your vision because you need to be able to see when you're inside and typical sunglasses make everything darker. So you're looking for like a two-way. Me. You're looking for like a two-way mirror glass on your eyes. Yeah, but something that isn't obvious. Like when you're outside and wear sunglasses, it's totally not obvious that you're people watching at the park. People are gonna know <laughs> because you're wearing sunglasses inside. But that's what I'm saying. So they, they you don't want them to be sunglasses. They somehow have. Are you to... gonna brainwash people? We could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you should just have a hologram so like your eyes are crossed or something. Yeah, you're not like, looking at something. Yeah, I just want something like a visor, maybe. Is this because you wanted to stare at me blowing my nose all day? Absolutely. Oh God, this I just did terrible, it anyway. Idea. I hate it. Just wear sunglasses. <laughs> my grandma wears yeah. them inside, and yeah. while she's driving at night with her visor down, See? she's the best. She <laughs> drove all the way yesterday to a thing that we were at, several miles from her house, with snow in the middle of it. She just wiped the little space on her windshield exactly wow, in front of where she, she sits. Is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how she gets anywhere safely. All right, stay away from Lewiston, New York, folks. And lastly, here I'm going to go out on a limb. And say this is legit the best idea I've ever had. You say in my that life. about every idea. This is le- I said legit though legit. So if you're going down a street at night, it may be dark, and you have to rely on streetlights. Yeah. But you have to install those and everything. Most major streets in the in the United States have power lines associated with them. So what I want to do is harness the power from the power lines and run. Like lights, maybe the even Edison lights for you, Hope. Edison bulbs. <laughs> the pretty ones? Yes, the pretty ones <laughs> off of the power lines. And instead of having those garbage-looking ropes hung up on poles at night, it turns everything into lighted power lines. That's pretty good. I idea. don't hate that idea. So is it going to be bright enough? 
It doesn't to matter. It's going to be an improvement. No, it does matter. It's, you can still oh, on the streets that have nothing only. You can have street lights, but you can also have these. I'm imagining you're just wrapping the Christmas lights around. No, no, it's just <laughs> coming right down, like right down along with oh, with the lines. Oh, that'd be so. So pretty. you go down a street, and it's almost like Christmas lights. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's I like nice. That. All right, a lot it's of power there. involved. Infrastructure. LEDs. Concerns. You just say LEDs, and yeah. you can't argue with that. Solar. LEDs. Solar. Solar. Yeah. Solar during the day. Charge it up. LEDs. <laughs> Okay, but you still have to pay to put them up, and some of the streets maybe like never have drivers, and it's a waste. But it looks pretty. What about along highways where you already have the poles there, right? Don't need it for highways. It's wherever, wherever no, you can. New highway. That's what I'm saying. You already have the pole for the power line, so you just yeah. add the lights. You don't need exactly. street lights. Don't take them down and waste them. And then it makes something aesthetically pleasing. I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm in. All right. And we will see you next week.